Tonight, I titled the message, A Time of No Judges. Uh, judges, we're going to be looking at Judges chapters 17 through 21. So somehow, um, through God's leading, I was able to just boil all that down into one message. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. It's a lot to cover tonight. Uh, but this is all a period, all these chapters are a period without a leader or a judge for Israel. And this turns out to be a bad time, a time of confusion and a time of backsliding. Uh, it's believed that this time without judges that occurs in these chapters here actually took place before Samson, um, not after him, even though it comes after him in the book here. Uh, it's possible that it came before all of the judges in general here. Uh, but no matter when it happened, the truth remains that it is a time of no judges, no leader, no king, uh, no one to guide God's people. As we look at these last chapters of Judges, we see a time when God's people are without a judge, a time when they are without a leader, and, and it's just not a good time for Israel. And isn't it just interesting uh, what we think we can get away with when we think no one's watching us? Uh, I think that's what kind of goes on when we don't have a leader. Israel doesn't have a leader, and they, they just kind of think, well, you know, no one's telling me what to do, no one's, uh, you know persuading me to do right, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And we see that phrase that they do right in their own eyes quite often in this book when there isn't a leader. Uh, now, last week we spent some time on the topic of things we do and say and how that will cause believers to stumble and it will cause unbelievers to possibly never accept Jesus. Uh, and you may have noticed that uh, I was a little intense during those moments. I was quite upset about it. Uh, I find it a big deal uh, what we say and what we do will affect other people. Uh, and even if we think no one's watching us, uh, there, it might affect someone, it might make someone stumble. Uh, and even if we don't have someone leading us or over us, keeping us in line, we still need to do right. Uh, and I'm not going to spend much time on this tonight because we went over it last week. But I believe that sometimes uh, when we go online, we think that uh, we're just like these last few chapters of Judges here where there's not a leader. Sometimes we go online and for some reason we think because it's online, because it's social media, that uh, the rules just don't apply on there. Uh, God's law doesn't apply when we're online. We're going to see uh, that in Israel, the people act differently when they do not have a leader or a judge. Uh, this is how I believe sometimes we act when we go online, when we're on social media, not Maybe not all of us, maybe uh, maybe we have that area uh, down and we're okay there, and that's great. But I think sometimes uh, we get tripped up a little bit when we go online because we, we just kind of feel like it's online, it doesn't matter. You know, it's almost like it's pretend or something. Uh, the thing is, uh, Israel uh, missed in the book of Judges here, and the thing that some believers are missing today is that there really is always a judge watching. Uh, Psalms 50 verse 6 says, And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Uh, God is the judge. God will always be the judge. God is the ultimate judge, and one day we'll have to stand before him. Uh, yes, we are. If you have accepted Jesus Christ personally, you are covered by the blood of Jesus, and praise God for that. But God still sees what we do along the way. Proverbs 15:3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. 
God sees everything we do, whether it's good or evil. In every situation, we have a choice to do good or a choice to do evil. In everything, and that includes when we're on social media, when we're online, uh, when we think no one's watching, in everything we choose to do, we need to choose to do good. Uh, We need to choose to bring lost souls to God and not drive them away from God. We need to choose to help edify believers and not choose to be a stumbling block to believers. Uh, Let's choose good and let's choose right and let's choose the ways of God. Now, as we go through these last few chapters here tonight, let's keep this in mind as we see people who are acting uh, without a leader or a judge over them. Now, the first thing I see in these chapters is religious apostasy in the church. And this uh, idea here covers both chapters 17 and 18. Uh, I want to actually read chapter 17 tonight. It's not long. Uh, we'll just read through this. So it's Judges chapter 17. It says, And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah, and he said unto, he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spake of also in my ears, Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. And when he had restored the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took two hundred shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had an house of gods, and made an ephod and teraphim, and consecrated one of his sons, who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim in the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. So we see here uh, that this chapter um, can represent the current day church uh, that we have today. Uh, This uh, chapter, these same words could be written about the American church today. Uh, I want to look at some of the similarities that I see when reading through this of the current day church in Micah here. Uh, in verse 2, we see that the focus is in the wrong place. They're talking about uh, this money here. We see that Micah's worried about this money 
And uh, he went out of his way to steal this money and he was hiding it and protecting it and keeping it from his mother. You can see that his mother's focus was on the money as well. Uh, she didn't say anything to the effect of uh, the money doesn't matter or God will take care of us. Uh, she was just excited to hear that the money was back because that's where her concern was. That's where her care is. Uh, now, I don't think that our church has too much problem in this area. We don't uh, have issues with money here. Uh, but if we were to look at America and the church in America as a whole, we can easily see issues with money. The church today is very much focused on money. Uh, they care about how much money they can get. And sometimes they do great things with the money. And that's great. They feed the hungry. They build houses. Uh, but th the problem is, is sometimes they're not doing that to further the gospel. Uh, they're trying to further their ego sometimes. Uh, the church is so focused on money that they make changes uh, that are not necessarily from God. They make changes to their worship style, uh, to their music style, uh, to the services and how they conduct them. Uh, even the church itself uh, to better attract more people, which bring with them more money. Uh, we need to keep our focus on Jesus and salvation. Uh, let's keep our focus on uh, spreading the gospel and keep our focus on God, and he will take care of this church no matter how much money this church has. Uh, so let's not focus on the money. Let's focus on God. Now look at verse 3. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand, for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Uh, now, the mother is setting a very bad example here. Uh, here we have a mother and her son, and her son seems to be of a full-grown age here. Uh, but this mother and even fathers, uh, they will always be an example to their kids. No matter how old the kids are, the, the parents are still examples. I still see the things my parents do, and it still matters to me what my parents do. Uh, so this mother is telling her son that she wants to make an image with this silver. And we know this to be wrong. God says to make no graven image. Exodus 24, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Uh, so it's very clear. Uh, it's absolutely wrong to make a graven image of any kind. Now, notice that the mother tries to make it sound like it's a good thing. In verse 3 there, she says, I dedicated this silver to the Lord. And then she goes and does something wrong with the silver. Uh, but she's trying to make it sound like it's a good thing. She's saying, well, I dedicated it to the Lord. Uh, even though it's wrong, I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. She's trying to cover up her sin here with words that make it sound like it's a good thing. Um, we got to be careful not to do this. Uh, we got to be careful that we're not just trying to cover up our sins uh, with good sounding words. Uh, if we're talking about a sin and we say, well, it's not as bad as such and such. Uh, of course, we probably could always do something worse, or at least that sounds worse, but it's all sin. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Sin is sin. It's still wrong. Uh, if we're talking about our sin and we say, well, this person did this to me, so I, I'm okay to do this. It, it doesn't matter. It is still a sin. Uh, the, the old phrase, uh, two wrongs don't make a right, right? You know, I say that to my kids all the time. 
It doesn't matter what your brother or sister did to you. You still can't do anything wrong. Uh, sin is sin. Uh, we, we sometimes say things like, well, it's only one Sunday. God understands. I just want to lay in bed a little bit longer today. Uh, it, it, we say things to cover our sins all the time. We try to make our sins not look as bad as they really are. We try to sometimes justify our sins. Uh, we need to make sure that we don't make excuses for our sins. Uh, we need to make sure uh, that we get these things right with God right away. Uh, we need to make sure that we don't cover up our sins with our words. Uh, we need to make sure that we call sin for what it is. It is sin. It's evil. It's wickedness. It goes against the will of God. And a child of God should have nothing to do with it. Obviously, we're not perfect, but we need to make it right with God right away and, and completely repent and turn from it and try not to ever do it again. Uh, now, this mother here is setting example uh, for her child, even though he's an adult child, she's setting an example here, and it's a bad example. And we have way too many parents doing the same thing today, just setting a really bad example for their children, uh, not showing them the ways of God like God had planned for parents to do. But we also, we're comparing this uh, to the church today, but we have too many churches doing the same thing. Churches have stopped calling sin, sin. Uh, our church will never make an excuse for any sin. We're very clear about that here. Uh, this church draws the line right where God tells us to uh, in his word. Sin is sin. Uh, sin will be preached about. Uh, there are churches that say that you uh, can do anything you want, that God understands. Uh, God isn't concerned with these small things. Uh, there are too many churches that won't even talk about sin at all anymore. I mean, pretty much you turn on any uh, church on TV, on the actual cable, uh, there you really won't ever hear a message on sin. They just won't talk about it anymore. Uh, and, and it seems that that is exactly what the American people want. People don't like hearing about sin anymore, so they don't go where they're going to be told about sin, and that sin is wrong. Now, the, even worse, churches are not just ignoring sin. A lot of times, some of them are even embracing it. Uh, there are churches that embrace all kinds of sinful lifestyles. They didn't just stop preaching against it. They have actually started preaching that all believers need to accept that kind of lifestyle. Uh, churches don't seem to be concerned about separation anymore. Separation from sin, separation from the world. Uh, there are churches uh, that went on, as church services that went on this weekend, that you would not have been able to tell the difference between their so-called worship service and a rock concert. Uh, there are churches in America that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them and the world. Uh, God tells us to be separate. Uh, God wants there to be a, a clear difference between his children and the world, and especially the sin of the world. Uh, I praise God that when people walk into this place and participate in our services here, there's no doubt. They know that we're not trying to be like the world. Uh, we're trying to be like God wants us to be. Uh, unlike the mother in Judges 17 here, our church aims at setting a good example to uh, our people and our visitors and the world. Uh, look at verse 4 here. 
says, yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver. I find it interesting. She said she uh, dedicated the whole thing, and now she's only taken 200 pieces of it. Uh, but, you know, that's a side note. And he, she gave to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image. Uh, so we see here that this mother went out and found someone to help her commit this sin, to make, to make this uh, image here. And there are plenty of people out there looking to help you sin or help you walk away from God. We need to be on guard against this, and we definitely need to make sure that we're not one of the people helping someone else commit sins. Uh, you will have no problem uh, trying to find help to do wickedness or evilness or sin. Uh, this mother had no problem finding someone to help her commit this sin and make this thing for her. And, and we won't have any trouble trying to help uh, find help to sin either. Uh, look at verse 5. And the man Micah had in house of gods and made an ephod and teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, this is really where uh, a lot of America is today. We have a nation where uh, you have a house of your own gods. Uh, you pick who you want to be your god today. Uh, you pick who you want to listen to. Uh, you don't like what this one's saying, you find something else. Uh, you pick whoever your priest is or, or whoever you want to hear. The, uh, the church, a lot of times, uh, is just the same. We have so many churches that you can't tell who their god is. Uh, some churches, their god is the priest or pope or pastor or prophet or whatever they call the person uh, that's in charge there. Uh, some churches, their god is the music. Some churches, their god is good works. Uh, some churches, their god is just getting that great feeling during service, that pleasure of uh, of the feeling during service. Uh, America has so many options here. Uh, you know, it's like Burger King's old slogan, have it your way. Uh, that That's how church is here. Uh, there's a song, I can't think of it, it just popped in my head, had something to do about a drive-through church, and basically you can just pick what you want out of your service. Uh, that's how you know church is these days. Uh, if you don't like one place, you literally can go three minutes down the road and find something different. Uh, later in this 17th chapter, we see that Micah, uh, who made his own son his priest, he then later finds a Levite to be his priest. It seems like he's just looking for whatever, you know, whatever seems to fit him at the time. Uh, we need to make sure that we're following God. And, and it's not us trying to make things go the way we want it to. Uh, we cannot make worship what we want it to be. Uh, we cannot just pick the gods that we want. We cannot pick the parts of the Bible that we want to talk about or listen to or preach about. We need to pick God, the one true God, and make him our God and listen to all of his word. Uh, we're, we're looking at Judges 17 here and comparing it to the uh, church today in general. And it continues right into chapter 18 with this same theme. Uh, we see the wickedness of the way of, of this type of worship in 17 here with these uh, all these many gods and this image and all that. It spreads right into chapter 18 there. If you look at the last two verses of chapter 18 starting there in 18 verse 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. 
So the tribe of Dan here follows the leading of Micah and his family. Uh, the church today continues to follow the misguided leading of other churches. Um, maybe they're just trying to be successful or whatever the reason is, uh, but they're not following God. Uh, there's too many churches uh, turning to just trying to entertain and, and build the attendance. Uh, these churches have left the true worship of God to do whatever is building a crowd. Uh, I hear churches or people that go to certain churches and they talk about how great their band is, but they don't say how great the message was. Uh, they talk about how great the lighting show is or how entertaining the pastor is. Sorry, you know, <laughs> you guys probably don't say that about Sunday night. <laughs> uh, but they talk about how entertained they are during service. Uh, they, they don't, uh, they talk about all these things, but they don't talk about how God spoke to them, how God changed their lives, uh, how God is moving and how amazing God is. And they, they don't talk about those things. Uh, we need to make sure that we're not looking to be entertained when we come here. Obviously, you guys probably aren't because uh, you're here. Uh, but we need to be looking to connect with God and to worship him properly. So we have the church Today And it is far from what God has designed. And this is represented in these two chapters, chapter 17 and 18. I want to move on to chapter 19. And we're kind of moving quickly through these chapters here, but we're going to finish up this book tonight. So uh, we're going to look now at chapter 19 and see how uh, we see moral awfulness in the people. Moral awfulness in the people. Chapter 19 is a vision of people without God. Uh, they not only don't have a leader, they have no judge, no king in these days. And they were uh, just not to the point of having a king yet. The people were left to do whatever they wanted. And they had no leadership to show them the right way to do right, to follow God, to follow God's laws. Uh, the people in this chapter were only after one thing, their own selfish pleasure. Um, this uh, That's uh, the problem with the flesh we have. It, it doesn't care about the things of God at all. If we don't keep our flesh in control and in subjection, it'll do what it does best, find pleasure for itself. Uh, look at chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite sojourning in the side of Mount Ephraim, who took him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. Now, we have a Levite here, and uh, we'll say that he gets married to this woman. He's called a husband later on, so uh, he gets married to this woman, and that's what starts this chapter. Now, in my opinion, his choice in a wife turns out to be questionable at best. Uh, we spent time talking about um, you know, being married to the right person and, and being careful who you yoke up with and how that's very important. Uh, you know, we're talking about joining your yoke with someone, and that's any relationship that connects you to someone. So this obviously includes dating or marriage, uh, but this also can include any type of relationship you have that connects you to someone. This could be a business partnership, some type of business arrangement. It could be uh, co-owners or in investments of of some site, some type where you're actually connected with other people. Uh, this could be who you choose to even contract to build uh, a house or remodel your house. Uh, you're in a contract with that person. You're yoked up with them during that contract. Uh, this could be anything uh, that connects you with someone else. So anytime you're connected to someone in some 
type of way, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whether it's a relationship, uh, we have to be very careful who we allow ourselves to be yoked up with. Uh, I find myself blessed over the past week to be yoked up with some good godly men uh, for all those hours that we were here working on this, the, the projects here in the building. Uh, it, it was a great time. Uh, the, the guys that I was yoked up with during this time, uh, they have the same vision as me. They want to be pleasing to God. Uh, they want to do uh, the things of God. They want to be obedient to God. They want to serve God. And it's great being yoked up with people that are looking at God while you're looking at God. If you can imagine, if you set your yoke on someone who's not looking at God, and you're trying to look at God, and they're trying to look over here and go that way, it's going to be a disaster, and you're not going to end up where you want to go. Uh, you're going to end up somewhere else, and it's not where God wants you to be. We need to be careful. We need to only allow ourselves to be yoked up with like-minded people, people that have God as their focus. The easiest way to make sure that we don't yoke up with the wrong people is to not even allow those type of people to even be in your life to begin with. If they're not there, you can't yoke up with them, uh, and it's not a problem. So let's just focus on surrounding ourselves with God's people. Uh, this Levite here marries uh, this woman. She ends up leaving him. In the, if you were to read this whole chapter, she leaves him, and she does all kinds of things that her flesh desires to do. And next, the man goes to get his wife, uh, who had ran away from him, and they don't, she's actually at her dad's house at the time, and they don't get to leave on time, and it turns out to be very disastrous for them. Look at chapter 19, verse 5. It says, And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart. And the damsel's father said unto his son, son-in-law, Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down and did eat. And drink both of them together, for the damsel's father had said unto the man, Be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thine heart be merry. Uh, so this guy here, he was trying to go home. He wanted to get on his trip. You know, you're going going on this big trip, and you want to wake up early and get going, and, and, and it just doesn't work out for him. And I kind of feel for the guy in this verse. I feel like sometimes it's just so hard to get everybody out the door, you know? And, and that's where he's at. He's trying trying to leave, and this father-in-law keeps tripping him up and, and saying, hey, why don't you just sit here and eat all this food and, and drink with me, and we'll have a good time. And it's not real important if you leave right now. Uh, this man and his wife, uh, they don't get on the road on time because he was just too busy uh, really just indulging the flesh with this food and with this drink. His flesh obviously probably didn't want to get up and travel. Uh, it wanted to sit around all day. It wanted to just eat and drink. Uh, our flesh has no morals and will do will not do the things of God all on its own. We cannot let our flesh be the one making the decisions because of that. Uh, next, after this, the man and his wife, they get stuck out in the dark. And they get rejected by the people of the city that they end up in. Look at verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 15. And they turned aside thither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when they went in, he sat down in a street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. Uh, so again, we see just moral awfulness of man. This is back in a time when someone would enter your city, and you would take them in and take care of them. I know that's a little crazy to think of for us. Some random stranger comes 
you know, walking down Perry Drive here, I'm probably not going to open my door and say, hey, come stay with us, you know, but it was, it was a lot different back then. Uh, you know, that's just what you did back then. Uh, this Levite, he, uh, was in need and no one cared. No one wanted to help take care of him. We need to make sure that we take care of those in need. Uh, remember Jesus, when he was on earth, he, yes, he preached and he led people to God and he, and he was great at that, but he also cared for those that were in need. Uh, these, uh, this Levite and his wife, they're eventually seen by an old man. Again, if you read this chapter, you'll see that this old man takes them in. But the men of the city that they are in there are wicked. And they're just as wicked as the people of Sodom. And what happens in the rest of this chapter is just pure wickedness. It's morally awful. Those men of the city, they abuse the man's wife and she dies. Uh, the last thing that happens in this chapter is the man, he cuts up his wife and sends her pieces out to all the coast of Israel. I know, I know it's very gross, uh, but it's what happens. Uh, and, and it's just awful. And look at verse 30, chapter 19, verse 30. And it was so that all that saw it said there was no such deed done nor seen from that day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt Unto this day, consider of it, take advice, speak your mind. So they're saying uh, nothing like that has ever been done before. It's nothing so awful has ever been done before. And that's just a very awful situation. This whole chapter shows the complete lack of concern for the ways of God. Uh, this whole chapter shows us the moral awfulness that people are capable of. Uh, and, and let's be careful not to think that we're above this happening to us. Maybe not this exact thing, uh, but walking away from God or, or doing wrong. Uh, we, we make mistakes and we make bad decisions on our path as well. If we walk away from God, if we take our focus off of God, and if we stay away from God for too long, we can, can become very morally awful as well. The closer we are to God, the better our morals will be. And with each step we take away from God, a little bit more of those morals will fade away and will eventually become morally awful. Uh, we've seen in chapter 17 and 18 the religious apostasy of the church. In chapter 19, we've seen the moral awfulness of the people. And lastly, we see political anarchy in the government in chapters 20 and 21. Uh, now, I apologize, this next part's going to be slightly political, but I'll try to keep it, uh, you know, kind of right down the middle here. Uh, but we're looking at the political anarchy of the government. In these last two chapters of Judges, we have a bit of chaos. Uh, we have a bad situation here, which we've already read the beginning of, and it's made worse by the inner fightings within Israel. Uh, in the first seven verses in chapter 20, uh, we see the case of this Levite man, and it's heard before the people of Israel. Uh, and then we see their plan start to unfold in verse 10. So it's chapter 20, verse 10. It says, And we will take ten men of an hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to fetch victuals for the people, that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought, in Israel. So they have gathered all these people against Gibeah of Benjamin due to the wickedness that was committed. Uh, so that's their plan. That's what Israel is going to do. Uh, so look at verse 13 now. 
Now, therefore, deliver us the man, uh, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, and that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. So not only do the Benjamites not agree with the rest of Israel, not agree that, you know, this wicked thing was done and these people need to pay for it. They actually defend the wickedness that was done and they decide to fight. They decide to go to war against their brothers. The rest of chapter 20 and chapter 21 talks about the war between Israel and Benjamin and how it's it's just a terrible war and thousands and thousands and thousands of people die. I tried to count it somewhere around 100,000 men died in this ugly war. Uh, we see in chapter 21, a uh, way is provided. If you remember the story, uh, Benjamin lose, uh, you know, all their people, almost all their people there. So a way has to be provided for Benjamin to survive and to gain wives again. They all, uh, all the rest of the tribes com- uh, commit that they're not going to allow their women to be given to Benjamin. Uh, so a way is provided for Benjamin to survive in the end here for their tribe to survive. Uh, but all of this is very sad and very chaotic. Uh, there's complete disorder in, in the whole system of Israel. Uh, they're fighting within uh, themselves here, and it's very dis- disastrous. Uh, and I want to go back to a point that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, the leaders of Benjamin defended the wickedness. Uh, that, that's the, the, the moral awfulness that was committed. The leaders of Benjamin defended that. Uh, there's no doubt that the thing that was done was very wicked. Uh, it was uh, just plain evil. So Benjamin, they're not misunderstanding the situation. They're not confused on the details. Uh, what Benjamin is doing is they're knowingly defending some wicked behavior. And, and that's just the world we live in today. Uh, not only is it uh, in the world, not only is it okay to do wicked and evil things now, but it's also being defended And there's laws being written to make it legal to do these wicked and evil things in the world we live in. Uh, We could talk about all kinds of things uh, that, you know, these lawmakers and people are trying to to do. We could start by talking about just abortion. Uh, No matter what anyone says or what anyone thinks, abortion is ending the life of a soul that God has created. Uh, That is just a fact. And it's wrong. It's wicked. But there are laws that allow this to happen. And I know recently the laws have been pushed back towards the right direction. Uh, but in my opinion, that didn't go quite far enough. Uh, but it's those laws that try to make it a little bit better are being fought in court now to try to bring them back. Uh, we could also talk about uh, what used to be called illegal drugs. Uh, every year, more and more cities and states are making laws that make the use of these deadly and mind-altering illegal drugs. They're making them legal. Uh, people and our own government officials are pushing to make this wickedness legal. Uh, we could also talk about uh, the wickedness that's being done to children uh, concerning their gender. Uh, making surgeries legal, sometimes without parental consent. Uh, pushing these wicked conversations in public schools. Uh, this wickedness, this evil is being defended and it's being pushed into law to allow it to keep happening. 
And we could go on and on about all different kinds of wickedness and, and how the laws are changing to allow this wickedness to happen, uh, to, it, to it being done. Our own uh, political system, our own people in office, and the own people of our nation are pushing for these things to happen. Uh, but the real truth is, it doesn't matter if the USA says something is okay to do. What matters is what God says. Uh, so even if it's legal doesn't mean it's right uh it's this again isn't meant to be a political message i don't really want to focus on that part of it so much i want to focus on on god and and keeping our ways in a line with god we need to be worried about what god has to say about things we need to be less worried about the world and what the world has to say and what our nation has to say we need to worry about what god has to say now this that doesn't mean that you should completely ignore politics and and not get involved in elections and that type of thing. Uh, My opinion is that we should do everything we can to actively try to make our nation closer to what God's word says it should be. So if we have an opportunity uh, to vote for something or someone that aligns with God's word, then we must do it. Uh, But even if the USA or the entire world says that some type of wickedness or evil is legal and it's okay, that doesn't mean that we can do it or we should do it. Uh, We need to be so in line with God's word that it doesn't even matter what's legal or illegal. Uh, What matters is what God has to say about it. Now, we need to uh, remember also Micah's mother here and her influence on her son. Uh, We have the ability to influence those around us and probably uh, others that we don't even realize are watching us. Uh, let's make sure that we're influencing them to do good and to do right and to follow the ways of the Lord. And I praise God that that's what this church aims to do. We talked about the church a little bit in the beginning here. Uh, this church has its focus on God and focused on spreading the gospel and edifying believers, uh, any believer that allows us to be a part of their life. Uh, this church Uh, is a church that desires to be right with God and to help as many people as we can. Uh, And we're going to do that while preaching the whole Bible. And we'll preach on sin if God tells us to. And and we're not going to take our focus off of God. And and we need to uh, keep it on God. We cannot allow other things uh, to distract us. We can't get distracted with trying to entertain people so we can get bigger attendances. We need to just keep our eyes on God. Uh, this church and the people here were focused on serving God, and, and we try to do that any way he asks us to. So let's continue doing right and following God's word, even if no one's watching us, even if we're in a period of having no judge over us. If we're all alone, let's still choose to do right. Let's pray.